billion bucks in GMV at a 5% take rate is your lowest. It means at a minimum, just oh, oh, 50, 50 bits, 0.5. Sorry, 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 sorry. 0.5% <laughs> take rate. I mean, your, your, your minimum revenue there is the 5 million bucks there, right? If that's your lowest take rate, probably higher. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Higher, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey folks, my guest today is Guy Pearson. He's got more than a decade of experience in professional services. He's a chartered accountant, chairman of Interactive Accounting, a progressive accounting firm he founded in 2009, and an angel investor in multiple portfolio companies. Today, he's the CEO and founder of Practice Ignition, the world's first client engagement and commerce platform for professional services businesses. Guy, you ready to take us to the top? Hey, mate, let's go. Thanks for staying up late. I think you're based down there in Sydney, right? I'm up early. It's uh, 7 a.m. here. Oh, my so, God. Uh, we've got early. the coffee in. You've got your coffee in. I'm at the other end, mate. Yeah. Okay. Good. Fair. Well, okay. So practiceignition.com is a site. Now, just to be clear, you are not a consulting company. You build software for consulting companies. Correct. I see. 100% right. What right. I explained to my mom, like Shopify for services, right? So I if you think about it like that, we're the engine they use to run the revenue on payments and connect through the third-party workflows so they can have their tasks, billing, collections all tied together to a digital handshake. That's Very kind cool. of what we do. And so, so to help me understand, I mean, can you name a customer that's paying you and what they, what they pay you for specifically? Uh, Baker Tilly in the US would be one of the, the larger ones. Uh, let me think about what else. Um, you said uh, Baker, large CPA. Again? Sorry, Baker Tilly? Ba- ba- Baker Tilly. So they're a large CPA firm in the US and uh, in Canada. And they pay us for software to help run their contracts. Um, mm-hmm. And accountants usually re-engage or, or reissue contracts every year. So it's just sort of a phone plan if we can dumb it down to that. Um, and it's Are you selling like mainly, mainly to accounting firms? 100% at the moment. 95% of our customer base are CPAs and bookkeepers around the world. Interesting. Okay, so there is a sector focus here. It's not just any consulting firm in the world. No, that, that's true. Uh, we do have some weird and wonderful customers in many different industries, like small ISPs, uh, education providers, lawyers, digital agencies, marketers, etc. But the large primary bulk now focus has been on bookkeeping and accounting as Every professional services business has a CPA or has a bookkeeper. Uh, so it's very much sort of let's, let's solve their problem and then they can recommend it to their clients in the long run. I see. Okay. That makes tons of sense. So what is the average, you know, Baker Tilly, not actually Baker Tilly, but what's the average customer paying you per month or per year to use the technology? Uh, the payments about US 400 a month um, okay. for a mix of software and payments. Um, so sort of a blended piece. The average software uh, clip is about 150 US and the payments about 250. Interesting. So, so what is the 250? Is that a percentage of the volume they process through your platform? Correct. So we, we process both ACH and credit card in about five countries around the world, um, US, Canada, UK, Australia, uh, New Zealand. Um, and we've got a couple of billion dollars of revenue under management and we process north of a billion um, annually at the moment, but obviously that rate's sort of growing up. Got it. So you you process over a billion per year. And these are individual accounting firms like Baker Tilly sending invoices or quotes to their customers. When you add all those up, it's over a billion. You take a small cut of that. Correct. So that's exactly how it works. Come on, guy. What's the cut? What's what's the smallest? Uh, Smallest. Uh, We take about 
Well, I mean, it's on the website, so it's very easy to see, but the blended take rate for ourselves is about 50 bips at the moment. Okay. Um, we're looking That's to normal. push that up um, through getting the volume up there and negotiating on our cost side, but also just thinking about how we, how we charge smartly uh, for people so people are feeling like they're paying the right amount for the right service. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is just make sure there's no administration, make sure they don't have to use another system, make sure the clients can see their payments and understand where they're coming from and that everyone's kind of happy on the two-sided agreement. Yeah, I mean, but guy, I mean, look, just quickly, I mean, a billion bucks in GMV at a 5% take rate is your lowest. That means at a minimum, just oh, oh, 50, 50 bits, 0.5. Sorry, 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 0.5% <laughs> take rate. I mean, your, your, your minimum revenue there is the 5 million bucks there, right? If that's your lowest take rate, probably higher. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> Thankfully, that's good. Um, what is the, how do people get down to 50 bips? Like, what are they, what do most people start at? Is it like 250 bips, 2.5%? No, uh, yeah. So the the gross rate uh, before we have to pay any of our providers is sort of uh, about two hundred seventy bips in the US on credit card. And this see. is a headline rate, um, but we have a flat fee charge for ACH presently. And so if you're processing B two B payments, similar to say like a bill dot com, but you're running it through us um, between the two parties, uh, they're paying a fixed fee of maximum one dollar. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you get a blended rate. That take rate comes right down. Um, and so. Yeah, it's a fairly you know, nice mix. We're just interested in being in the flow of commerce between two B2B parties and you know, getting rid of checks, right? That's, that's kind of our, our main secret sauce. And it's a great platform for removing that admin layer so everyone gets stuck in and has a good experience. Yep. Now, I want to I want to get to the round you just did with JMI Equity recently, like literally a couple of days ago. But let's go back to like day one for a second. When did you guys launch? What year? Uh, 2013. We had an MVP out in 2012. Um, but yeah, about eight years ago. Okay, well, about eight years ago. And do you remember the year you broke a million in revenue? Uh, yeah, that was 2017. 27. Okay, um, so zero to a million, five, five years. That, that's the, the struggle is real back then, huh? Oh, man, this is ever Trying to sell to accountants and bookkeepers, they're lovely people, um, but also <laughs> trying to have the right level of product in terms of not too structured and flexible and trying to find that balance <laughs> is, is, a, is a real pain point. And it's a, it's a slog. Um, I think we'd only raised about, Two million dollars in that whole five-year journey. Uh, so, you know, we had a very lean, mean team trying to figure out how to make things work and scale it up. And, and then on it, sort of, you know, more expansion capital and way we went. Do you remember? Yeah, you did. I think you did like three seed rounds: a million in 2015, and 1.5-ish in two tranches in 2014, and then 110 angel round. I think before yeah. that, right? Something like that. Yeah. So we had like uh, family, friends, and fools. So my brother, my best mate, and one of my old business partners at my old CPA firm. Then we had a bunch of angels, which was um, anchored by a guy called Craig Winkler, who's uh, uh, effectively like our Intuit founder, but just in Australia. Um, and on the back of that, we then raised from Real Ventures, which is up in Canada. Now I'm based in Sydney, Australia, to sort of put how far we had to go. Um, and so John Stokes up there, I read our first seed check and kind of split the round into, and we had a enterprise uh, software listed company founder here lead the second part of the seed round a year later to sort of split. And then it was on to Series A uh, with uh, Australian funding, particularly now it's great and it keeps getting better, but we had four VC funds and two billionaires write us a five million Australian dollar check to give you an idea. So it's three and a half US. So um, at that point we were like, you know what, maybe, maybe this raising thing isn't for us. Uh, we actually got through to break even in 2019 and sat down with, friends and advisors and whatnot and it's sort of like well where to from here we had this much of the share of the market we had product market fit and uh, we ended up 
going to look for the biggest and the baddest and had Tiger Global come along to lead our Series B um, in 2019, which is phenomenal. Uh, and yeah, like you said, JMI recently. So yeah, if you look at the crunch base for us, it's like little bits of capital and kind of like big chunk and then bigger chunk. Um, and, and, so, next, and next it'll be $5 billion valuation. You guys are <laughs> long, oh, mate, my, my mother would be so proud. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, I would just say that, uh, you know, Take, take me back. I mean, managing dilution is obviously critical. You want to build a big business and also try and preserve as much ownership for you and your co-founders and your brother, your best mate, as you can over time, right? So when you guys went out and did that 3.6 US uh, USD dot around back in uh, the Series A back in 2017, do you remember what valuation you raised that at? Yeah, I do. Was it was it <laughs> was it very dilutive? It was. It was. Uh, really, so Australians, uh, how would you put this? Uh, they like to see efficiency and capital deployment. Um, as a mindset, we're used to profitable companies. And so when you've got something that's not profitable but growing quickly, people sort of struggle. Um, we really needed the capital. Uh, we found great partners once you know the price was on the low end. Um, but we also were sick of raising. So like this is going to be our last round. So that obviously played into played into the price uh, as well. Um, but we brought on some great partners. So those people who joined us actually helped us get to the, the B round and, and onwards. So there's a mix of what if, um, you know, would have loved well, come to. On, guy, come on, guy, come on. What's the number there? Are we talking like you sold like 20% of the business or like 30% of the business? Uh, 30. 30. Okay. That's not horrendous, right? I mean, no, no, no. You but know, it's yeah, on the yeah, high the end, time, but it's not the, terrible. I think it's because we, we don't ever really got 12 months capital, as you can see from our race history, right? So it was sort of like the ongoing dilution and the small step ups in between each round up until the B and then the C. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, just okay. uh, it was painful at the time. Yeah, yeah, I've painful, but now now worth you guys are scaling nicely. How many customers are you working with now today? Like like Baker Tilly's, uh, five thousand. Oh my gosh, five thousand. Baker Tilly would be on Baker Tilly would be on the high end. We probably should stop using their name because they're sort of one of the largest in the world. But um, okay, I'll stop using. But, <laughs> <laughs> so she's a uh, good good friends of mine. Zen Accounting in Canada um, would be would be a good example of like a great customer that fits right in our ICP. So there's about five thousand of those around the world that we're working with today. Okay. Okay. And can I sort of get a range here? If I take those 5,000 customers times the $400 average ARPU, I mean, that puts you at like 2 million a month in revenue. Is that about right? Yep. Yeah. It's okay, pretty close. Cool. And if that's where you are today, what is growth over the past 12 months? Uh, it's funny. COVID's been an accelerator and a headwind for us because uh, you've got accountants looking after their clients, doing forecasts and all these things they never would have done probably for years. And then you've got the wanting to get paid and having moved online. Uh, so. We've grown at about 70 plus percent last two years running, which that's is great. not terrible, that's but great. we would yeah. have liked to have grown more. And, you know, hopefully that's what's coming as, uh, as accountants particularly look forward to getting paid and, you know, I've taken care of their clients and now they need to take care of their own business. And so what mm -hmm. we're seeing is an acceleration and we've um, made some really great partnerships recently to help us sort of conquer the US, Augusto, Thomson Reuters, uh, Intuit, PCG Group. Um, so we're kind of off, off into the races and we're looking forward to, you know, Coming, coming to uh, bring all the goodness that we've got down here into the US market and, and ramp up that market there. Tell me, tell me more about the team today. How many folks are full time? Uh, 100, it's changing a lot every week. We're north of 150. Okay. Um, I think we'll finish the year at 170. You okay. have an idea of sort of the rate we're hiring at the moment. Um, and and we started the year at about 100. Uh, that's a good question. About 20. 20. But we've got about 20 positions coming down the pipe in the next couple of days. So um, we're trying to ratchet it up 
Um, we went to market and scaled by making sure we took care of it in a manual way. So look, taking care of the customers on the post-sale side and learning what they needed. And then on the uh, inbound side, um, we just had basically content to four marketers driving people in for sales. Mm-hmm. And we're switching that gear into product-led growth to take them through the journey and still keep the team that we've built. And then adding on, I think our marketing team's gone from four to 20 people in the last four months. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So, so we're ratcheting on. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products, that's plural, forward slash valuations. Again, both plural, founderpath.com forward slash products, forward slash valuations. Do you guys employ sort of outbound strategy? Do you have internal quota carrying sales reps with like million dollar quotas or no? We do. Um, and that's probably roughly about right. But the, the you know, ASP on an average deal is probably 100 and, 175 US. Mm-hmm. And so they have to actually sell quite a lot of software uh, to yeah. make that happen. So we'd have those folks and they tend to stick to our large two, our two larger plans, which are still quite small. And then the, the base plan tends to be a straight flow through from marketing into a, a soft signer. What comes first? Uh, accounting firm putting a dollar of revenue through you and you making that in the percent of GMV or them buying the software first and then adding on invoicing later? Uh, first one. So they buy the software, they'll run through usually like accountants, as you can imagine, um, have a system currently for billing and collecting payment. And so typically what they do is they send uh, a contract out to one of their teams or their friend who's a client. They start there, they build up trust in the platform as we start to manage the revenue, then they turn payments on. Um, and the faster we build that trust, the faster they roll it out across their client base. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the freemium model is something we tried way back in the day and that did not work. As soon as we turned pricing or payments or sorry, uh, charging everyone for the software, we had a whole bunch of emails going, oh, great, now I'll start using it. So. Yeah. Big lesson learned back in like 2014 or 15. I was just like, yeah. Well, the reason I ask is you're really well. I mean, some of the highest multiples, revenue multiples I'm seeing right now in terms of fundraises, especially like a 50 million Series B, C, whatever, is net dollar retention being through the roof. And anytime you have a combined business model where it's SaaS plus a utility based metric like percentage GMV, usually the NDRs are through the roof. I mean, do you guys have pretty high net dollar retention? Do. Yeah. Uh, we're sort of, you know, I think payments expands at about 130% a year over year. Uh, and then the software is sort of industry standard. So, yep. yep. So like um, adding it all together with like, like 140, 150% net dollar retention across the base in both product lines. Yep. Yeah. That's, I mean, can you hold that at scale? You think, can you, can you keep, keep that up to hundred million bucks in ARR? Well, that's definitely the plan. Um, but you know, <laughs> there's challenges along the way, right? Uh, we, we just, I don't know. We've got a very low customer base that loves us, uh, which is great. Um, but obviously the challenge is on us to keep building great software and help keep that retention level high. And, and sort of bring more incentive for them to expand and, and bring the rest of the team into the mix as well. So we sort of make sure that it's a sticky product. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you had great growth. Um, obviously, you did the Series A. It was a little dilutive. You probably learned from that. And you probably never sold 30% of your business again. You waited for a 
in your both Series <laughs> B and Series C waited for something more competitive. But why raise? I mean, fifty million is still dilutive, right? Why raise it? We had one shareholder that was wrapping up their fund, and so we used part of the process to sort of uh, clear them out. Oh, but also, we wanted a bit to, secondary. Yeah, we had about ten mil secondary. Oh, I um, see. In in the mix. Um, only the rest investor, it, or did you give empo- early employees the option? No, we, we actually, yeah, we did. So we, we made um, uh, early employees, existing team members who've been with us for a while and had options that were vested. They were allowed to cash out some. Um, myself uh, and my co-founder took a few chips off the table. Wait, guy, um, hold on. How do you decide that? Like, if you sell a million bucks of your personal shares, it's like a bad signal. But like, then you want to take enough where where you're like financially safe and not have to worry about shit, right? So like, how do you balance that? Oh, I mean, I guess that's the outside. I'm a CTA by background. And so having the conversation with folks is like, look, if I don't have to worry about making a mortgage or payment at home, and banks hate entrepreneurs, particularly in this country. And so it's sort of like, well, I can, you know, grab the house or buy the apartment finally. And then I don't have to worry about that side. Maybe have a small mortgage and I'm focused on the company, but I don't have the sort of pressures of home like I did in the early days where you've got personal credit card debt because you're paying yourself 20 grand flying around the world, sleeping on couches, trying to figure out how to make ends meet. Um, so the the focus is just sort of laser in, and, and most people actually, Jay and my folks were great about it. Tiger was great about it. Um, people yeah, are no. pretty supportive. They're like, you've I'm been hearing, on a ten year journey. We don't want you to burn out. <laughs> I'm hearing great things. So I've talked to maybe seven founders that raised significant rounds from Tiger over the past like ninety days, and everything I'm hearing is Tiger has been extremely supportive about allowing big chunks, even fifty percent of the rounds, to be secondary. Um, so it's great to hear that from you as well, and that they've been great to work with. Um, now, in terms of valuation, most folks are, you know, Series C, they're selling maybe 10-ish percent of the business. Were you sort of standard there or were you way lower or way higher for some odd reason? Uh, we were a little bit higher. Okay. Um, not, I'm trying to think, not dramatically. I think the dilution was sort of closer to 15%. 13%? Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, a little, little bit higher, not, not massively. That, I mean, and did that I mean when you look at your revenue and then you look at sort of the multiple on that? Did that sort of feel fair to you? I guess maybe a better way to ask that: Did you ha- did you turn down higher valued term sheets because you like Tiger and the secondary they allowed? Well, Jay and I led this round. We turned down when we did the Tiger round. We turned down ah. no Tiger had the highest. Um, when we did this round, we turned down higher uh, term sheets to work with Jay and I. Um, they backed Clio, ServiceNow, Point Click Care, so a couple of things. Medicalized oh, software Tiger, was your, Tiger was your B. Yeah, yeah. JMI let out C. Oh, the 2019, 10 million of a 20 yep. million was secondary. Oh, sorry. Um, um, back then, it was 2 million of the 15. Oh, okay. Uh, so JMI let you take 10 out of the 50 and Tiger let you take 2 out of the, 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 the 16 or 17 USD. Yeah. Oh, I see. I see. So we, we've done it in both rounds, uh, mostly just easing, easing burdens to people like, you know, uh, buying a house, putting kids through school. We had a whole bunch of angel investors who backed us, like my, my best mate, my, my brother. You know, it's like they're not really in this in this game. They were there to support me. So letting them sort of de-risk a little bit along the way, which is great. Yep. Um, yeah, JMI let us, JMI let, uh, it was about 4 million went to the team, 6 million was to buy out uh, a Series A investor. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Any um, advice you'd give to founders that are going through this right now? This, you know, this doesn't get talked about a lot. So I appreciate you being transparent. Would you manage the secondary any differently? No, I think it's really important. So for us, like being from Australia, having having stock and options and, and valuing them at more than paper is is not really a thing. So I think the biggest education for us, what we were trying to do and wearing my accounting hat was very much let's put a price on these, let's let some of the team sell some so that they place a value on options. Um, it's sort of been a, a new journey here in Oz as to how to think about that as an employee, as a team member. 
And so we really wanted to make sure that people thought it was valued and it wasn't just a piece of paper that might be worth something someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, once again, just relinquishing pressure on the home front um, for the most part, so paying down debts, clearing out former option holders, letting them sell all together if they wanted to, if they weren't at the company anymore, and just clearing out a bit of the option table. Yep. Um, yep. So the advice would be, you know, make sure you take care of your people. <laughs> yeah. I, I I might be a smart individual on, on certain days, but realistically, I can't run or do the jobs that other 150 people do. So I think particularly, you know, with what is it, the great resignation or whatnot coming up, like make sure you take care of your folks. Yeah, they I believe in the journey and they think you're looking after them and they'll stay and they'll back yeah. you up. I can see why you have 150 people following you these days. <laughs> I, uh, people obviously <laughs> love that approach. So that's great to hear. Um, round out the valuation story for me real quick. So we've got series A, we've got series C. What did you guys raise the series B at? Uh, what did we raise that? Uh, 50, just north of US 50. Uh, post money? Uh, pre. Pre. Okay, got it. So 50 pre, call it like 56 to 8, like 70 post, something like that. Okay, very cool. Great story there. Um, are, did you feel like you were at a disadvantage being based in Sydney or do you feel like you got a multiple, like same multiple you get if you were based in New York? It's <laughs> a good question. Uh, I think most of my American teammates who've been with us for a while uh, think I'm disadvantaged because I didn't go to Stanford, uh, <laughs> to be frank. But, uh, but um, uh, no, not so much. Um, I'm sure, you know, uh, there's definitely like people like you being on the continent, right? So like it'd probably be easier to raise certain rounds or have more investors interested if you know they feel like they can fly and pay us a visit uh, much easier. Um, but I'm quite happy building an Australian company. I mean, I'm not sure you know, got Canva, uh, Campaign Monitor, Atlassian, Zeros from the center of the world, and all this kind of goes on. Uh, we're just trying to throw a hat in the ring and create another another great company from the center of the world and bring that culture that allows 150 people to stay with us, you know, to the world and yeah do it do it our way um not super patriotic in terms of like beating my chest but (laughs) would really like to you know sort of help us uh australia has a history of digging things out of the ground farming things and building things on top of it we really like us to sell our smarts so that's uh, that's the reason to stay down here um also great r&d incentives so any developers that want a job coming out how big is the kickback shred in canada is like a 60 percent kickback what's your kickback about the same Wow. So if you pay a developer, I'm making it up 200 grand, you're going to get 120,000 bucks at the end of that year back from the government. Yep. Yeah. Wow. It doesn't, that's, that's a very, I, 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 so like I think shredding and our program are very much the same in that it's only on uh, things that you build that are at risk. So not for maintenance and not for DevOps, but for like new feature development. Yep. Very cool. On that note, guy, let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, favorite book. Oh, the hard thing about hard things by Ben Harwood. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Uh, I'm not sure who's the CEO. I'm Des Trainer, uh, Intercom. Yep. Number three, how, uh, favorite online tool? Oh, I don't know. That's a hard one. I would just say G Suite. I, I can't imagine my life without it. No, that's a good one. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Except, you know, days when you're doing the 7 a.m. podcast. <laughs> about six to seven. All right, uh, I'm, uh, I get up super early. And what's your situation? Married, single, kids? Recently married. Two Congrats. Weeks ago. Oh, wow. Close, That's I, exciting. I got married the day after the round closed. So how's that for timing? <laughs> Holy mackerel. So I assume the honeymoon was nice. A little secondary money to play with. You rock and roll, right? Uh, no, honeymoon's coming up. We had about two days off and um, we're going into planning session. So uh, end of December. So I'm not sure if you have any Australian mates out there, but we don't really work between 15th of December and 15th of Jan. It's kind of like 4th oh. of July, Thanksgiving, Christmas, Combined. and August all tied into one. So I um, <laughs> enjoy that. 
just married, about to do a honeymoon, and no kids or have any kids? No kids. No kids. And how old are you, guy? 37. 37. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. More patience. <laughs> Guys, he says he needs more patience. I think he has incredible patience. Launched in 2013. They had patience enough for five years to go up to a million bucks in revenue. Did four different sort of angel and seed rounds, but now they're scaling nicely. They're serving over 5,000. Uh, think about like accounting practices, helping those firms scale what they're consulting. They have dual business model, SaaS plus percent to GMV. They're processing billions now, over a billion per year, doing about a $24 million run rate across all their brands. Last raise, just a couple of days ago, 50 million Series C at a $330 million valuation, sold about caught 13% with 10 million secondaries, taking care of his early team members, early employees. Guy, thanks for taking us to the top. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it.